0: This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. And welcome to the Wednesday program. We've got several new members of the football squad to tell you about. Alex Golish has promised getting into the transfer portal, which opened a couple of days ago and the Bulls went right in with a half dozen players, half of them on the defensive line. At least those are the ones that have been announced. We'll give you their names and where they come from. We'll also give you some highlights from last night's loss by baseball, 11 to 5 against Stetson, which... Despite the lopsided nature, it was 9 nothing a run rule territory at one point. There was still definitely some positives, and then we'll bring those to you as we hope to get something going here at the end of the season. There's no show tomorrow as we're in our summer schedule of Monday, Wednesday, and Friday Bulls beat, so we will go ahead and give you a sneak peek of the Thursday game that starts off the three-game set against East Carolina. Oh, yeah, we'll end the hour with Round the American, one of the wildest games In the conference, any sport took place last night and it may or may not impact the Bulls because East Carolina was involved in it. As promised, the USF women's basketball team, and when I say as promised, Jose Fernandez mentioned that they'd be announcing each of their new class one per day this week. So we'll give you the last announcement. But before that, speaking of women's basketball, there's a tie, but it's with the men's basketball program. And I thought this was really, really cool news. Joy Williams, J-O-I, who was a four-year starter for the Bulls in the mid-'80s and was the head basketball coach at UCF, and before that was the head coach at Murray State. Well, that's the tie to new Bulls men's basketball coach Amir Abdul Rahim, who announced on Tuesday that Joy Williams will be the men's basketball team's new chief of staff. In a statement, he said that he met Joy when she was the head coach at Murray, and he was a grad assistant. Her teams were disciplined, connected, and tenacious defensively. We were able to hire one of the best coaches in the country in joey for this role now it wasn't just like they left off their relationship there he said that he's learned from her over the last 18 years he adds that being an alum of usf she will be invaluable to our program someone who knows the value of a usf degree and what the relationships with other alumni will do for the future of our players after their basketball careers Joy is an absolute home run hire for our program so look forward to interviewing her learning more about this chief of staff role She has been a head coach at the Division I level, oh yeah, at a school called UCF, where they got to the NCAA tournament a couple of times when she was the coach there. She is the winningest head coach in that program's history. And 12 years as an assistant at the University of Florida from 1990 to 2002. And in those 12 seasons, they made it to nine NCAA tournaments and went 247 and 121 overall. And that defensive-minded Murray State team that Coach Abdurahim mentions could also score some points, actually led the country in scoring the one year it made the postseason her fourth year there. So she is back at USF more than 30 years after she left. And again, we'll be catching up with Coach Williams and some new members of both programs who mentioned some transfers into his team on the women's side. Again, another name announced, and we kind of slipped this one at you last week, Vittoria Blasai. Who was a 5'9 guard from Italy. Keep an eye on the USF Women's Basketball Twitter page as it will continue daily this week to announce new members. Well, it was a big set of announcements on Monday from football. Six new members of the team all out of the transfer portal. Three defensive linemen. You can't be surprised if you kind of knew the depth situation on the team. Really deep in the secondary. Fairly deep at linebacker. And not so much on the defensive line. So three new members, including one... From the conference, Emmanuel Hickman, who was a 6'3", 257-pounder, transferring in from East Carolina, was on the Pirates roster for four seasons, got the red shirt because he only played in two games in 2019, started 13 games, 41 tackles, interesting to note on the Pirates website that all of his tackles were on rushing plays, so yeah, maybe a guy that will not be on the field during passing downs, but Emmanuel Hickman added to the defensive line. Also, from Wake Forest, Bernard Gooden, he did not play in 21 last year, started off with a bang three tackles against VMI, ended up with a total of seven tackles for his year. He is listed as six foot one, two hundred and seventy-three pounds out of Montgomery, Alabama. The other defensive lineman added to the squad, Doug Blue. Ealy, he is a 6'2", 320 pounder, so an interior lineman who actually played at Monroe Community College where he was outstanding in Division I All-American, but he just played in the first four games last year and only got one tackle at TCU, so we'll see how they matriculate here. A guy who had plenty of experience, in fact, started off his career at Utah, did not play in 2018, has played in plenty of games, in fact, got in as a starter last year for the Utes, As a linebacker, Andrew Mata-Affa, 6'3", 221-pounder. 21 career tackles last year was a career eight. So not outstanding, eye-popping numbers, but that's what you're going to get in the transfer portal, obviously. You're not going to get players that had 120 tackles last year. You're going to get players who haven't really flourished yet and are looking for a better opportunity. And those are your four defensive names added to the Bulls. Now, somebody who did have some productivity at Minnesota as one of two wide receivers that have been added, and he still has three years left, even though he started off at Minnesota four years ago. Mike Brown Stevens, career-high 22 catches last season, had a half dozen in a game against Michigan State, only one career touchdown in three years, but he basically doubled his total of the previous two seasons. Didn't basically do it. He went from 11 total to 22 last year, so the Bulls may be catching him at the right time, and the guy who only appeared in one game last year in a loaded wide receiver group at the University of Texas, Jaden Alexis. So those are your six new members of the Bulls via the transfer portal. Speaking of Coach Golich, hopefully you saw it on the USF football socials. If you didn't, there's still a chance to. 56 questions with the coach, which sounds like it's going to be a half-hour interview, but a lot of them are, you know, real quick things, green or gold, this or that, and LeBron or MJ, his answers are pretty decisive and then he gets more into detail it's about a 10 minute video i would definitely check it out also definitely caught an eye on some of the reports yesterday that we could be getting some official news pretty soon on you know figures and construction when it comes to the on-campus stadium so the momentum definitely going forward when it comes to that well the bulls are looking for some momentum on the baseball diamond going forward into the last week of the regular season. Unfortunately, they are at their lowest winning percentage in quite some time. In fact, since the early 1970s after yesterday's loss, the Bulls dropped to 19 and 34. Stetson wins 11 to 5. Game was 9 to nothing and definitely in run rule territory and some things happened in the last few innings of the game that I think make me very happy it did not end in run rule territory other than the obvious reasons, but between you and me, sometimes if a game is decided Just get it over with quick and move on to the next game. And the way the Bulls stacked their pitching, it seemed like they were saving their bigger arms for this upcoming series against East Carolina, talking about their bigger bullpen arms. But Austin Grouse, Tanner Mink, and Riley Skeen ended up all pitching the last three innings. And somebody else that pitched in the middle of the game, I think, could have been a major development. And, oh, yeah, there was a big hit or two at the end of the game that, let's hope, means something carrying over to the final series against East Carolina. But as far as the highlights of the game went, Bulls escaped a jam with Lawson Gailey pitching the first three innings, and it was bases loaded for Stetson in the top of the first. This was after they took two possible bombs that looked like RBI doubles. In fact, both times, the runner at first base had to go back to first because he was so sure it was going to drop in. So kind of an escaped jam there, and really nothing to escape much for Dylan Jacobs. The Stetson starter did walk a pair in the first inning, He was the guy that came on in relief after the Bulls put up six runs in the top of the first into land against a freshman pitcher who hasn't pitched since. Well, Jacobs was much better. He went six innings, which is a career high by two. He struck out seven, which is a career high by two. And, oh, yeah, he got plenty of run support starting off in the third. A much better second inning. That ball is going the other way. That's got a chance. But you're going back on it, and it is gone. David Bermudez, opposite – Field power. He is their RBI leader, and he is giving them the advantage. Tell you what, there were a lot of Stetson Hatters fans there last night, a lot of Bulls fans. I think the crowd is going to be a wild scene for this weekend with East Carolina coming in town. More on that in just a little bit. Gailey departed. The runs really started to come over. Dylan Vega getting his earliest action ever as a Bull, and Stetson started lining fastballs with regularity. They had four hits in a two-run fourth inning for a 3 nothing lead. The Bulls got their first hit in the bottom of the fourth, and it was an infield chopper by Eric Snow. Then in the top of the fifth, a single single and a two-run double ended Vega's day. The Hatters would score four runs. They would take it to the verge of the run rule in the next inning, and yet the pitcher who was charged with both runs that made it 9 nothing I thought had a potentially important moment. Brown delivers, and curveball, swung a miss. Well, that's wonderful right there. One away. Boogie Brown gets his first out in quite some time. Right fielder, number 17, It had been a while, and he did not look like somebody who was, you know, you can get in your head sometimes, and we all know baseball is a mental game, and how easy would it be to do that against a team that you didn't get anybody out against last time? Well, it was three lefties, and I think that might be it for Boogie Brown. And Karsten Whitson comes out. Yeah, Brown is disappointed, but I think this is a positive because I think what Whit just said is, hey, you look good. We need you for East Carolina. That would be enormous as Boogie Brown last time out did not get a runner out against Stetson, and that was his first action in three weeks. So, yeah, that would be Ethan Boogie Brown, who was the Friday night starter for the Bulls and was having a sensational season until injuring his shoulder. If, indeed, he is good to go, as good as it's going to get anyway, that's a big development. So it was 9-0. They had second and third with one out. Sure seemed like the run rule was going to get struck. It didn't, and as I say, it allowed for some positives to start to happen for the Bulls, including talk about a guy that was effective early and hadn't been of late, not due to injury, but just due to a slump at the plate coming through. That ball is lined and should be. A hit for a run for the Bulls as that one was knocked down by the second baseman almost, but it'll go down as the first run of the game. So the Bulls finally get to Dylan Jacobs, and it's nine to one. Two well-hit balls back to bat by Betancourt and Montez. John Montez, who at one point was well over 300, but recently had gone hitless in a span of nine games in 12, starting to get it back. That made it nine to one. So again, it wasn't going to make a dent in the score too much, but That was good to see, was Austin Grouse's outing. He pitched the seventh inning, gave up six runs at Wichita on Saturday in one inning, this time a 1-2-3 frame. The Bulls actually retired six in a row at one point, where there had not been many cases at all when you had back-to-back outs, frankly, with the Stetson team that collected 20 hits, most since 2017. But Montez, and I highlight the lefties here, he... Travis Sankovic and Jackson Mayo all had big hits, which is perhaps relevant because the Bulls, if you missed it, one of their big hitters, also a lefty, Daniel Cantu, who leads the team in RBI but could have a season-ending injury. So a couple more moments that we hope will carry over to something at the end of the season here. Oh, Mayo smashes the ball, and that should drop in. Oh, great job there by Jackson. His second hit tonight. That is a positive development. (laughs) Oh, man, that ball is smashed by Travis Sankovic. Hill going back on it, and it's up against the bottom of the wall. Hill gets it back in. Will they send Mayo? We're going to have a play at the plate. That's a terrible throw. And the Bulls have scored again. Ball bounds around the behind-home plate area and almost turned into a trip around the base pass by Travis Sankovic. So, Bulls are just crushing balls right now. We said get that Dylan Jacobs character out of there. I have not seen Sankovic make such solid contact all year long. That was a real candidate to be his first home run as a Bull, it's 9-2 regardless. Another full count to Mayo, there's that curveball, ball and Jackson drills it straight to center field and that's got a chance to get out of here and it does. Wow, that is a big time boost for the Bulls. They're not gonna win this game, but if that man Can start to get that bat going. And tonight, he's got three hits. That is a tremendous note. It's 11-3. Mayo took that curveball and destroyed it to straightaway center. First three-hit game for Jackson since the first two weeks of the season. First homer since the first two weeks of the season. And again, he's not probably going to be Daniel Cantu, but when he gets hot, he can be close. That would be enormous, and he played a great center field for the Bulls with Drew Brutcher over in right field. Bulls do lose the game. Bobby Bozer also had a triple, an RBI triple, in the ninth after striking out three times earlier. It was 11-5. to 20 hits for Stetson, as I mentioned. Until the ninth inning, 16 of their 18 hits were singles. Got to give them props, though. In the ninth inning, not singles. If there's any positive, oh, man, that ball could be homer number two. I think it is. Oh, man, over the scoreboard. Lord have mercy. So I was about to say if there's any positive, this game didn't have a mercy rule finish, but Bermuda showing none there. It's 10-2. Both the other way for the righty, and that one was an impressive clout. It was a cutter Fielder, two, right hill. that didn't cut enough. Now it's 2-0 and to the next batter, and that one could be out of here. And I mean golf deep and gone by Cameron Hill, his sixth homer. And Skeen has been tagged for a couple of long ones here. It's 11-2. Golly. Bermudez did hit two homers in a couple games last year when he only hit 380 with 14 homers and 52 RBI for Manhattan. So they've got some hitters. They move on to a final series at Queens in Charlotte. I looked at today's RPI. The win against the Bulls bumped them up seven spots, which is important because RPI actually determines the seeding for the a tournament, so they would get in the more advantageous seed in their situation. They actually have a chance to win their regular season. They're going to need some help this weekend. Of course, just like the Bulls, though, they're going to have to win their conference tournament to make it to the NCAA tournament. And East Carolina comes to town off of a gut-wrenching loss last night. We'll tell you more about it at the end of the hour with Around the American. We will be on the air tomorrow at 6.15. East Carolina is going to bring some people, so if you're a Bulls baseball fan, you want to come to the plate, so to speak, in this one. Remember, East Carolina will go right from Tampa to Clearwater for the conference tournament, so it's going to be an extended trip, and I would imagine they're going to have a big presence at the stadium. That is going to do it for this abbreviated version of Bulls Beat. Thanks for dropping by. We'll talk to you again on the show on Friday. But we'll be back on the air with baseball on Thursday night. I'm Derek Sharp.